Yes. All right. If you are new to Element, welcome. Uh, there are Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on the communion tables around the room. They look like this. And on the inside, on the left, you're going to get a recap of what we talked about today. And really, most of this is going to be what I hit at the very end, some practical points about prayer. On the right-hand side, you're going to get some questions that are going to reflect on what we talked about today. On the back, you're going to get the verses that we're covering. On the bottom, you get a place for notes. If you have a smart device, you can download an app. It is called YouVersion. Once you download it, it just says Bible. You click on More and then Events in version will come up by GPS in your smart device and you will get sermon notes, verses, questions, announcements, directions to baptism, everything that goes with today's message. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors at Element. Why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? And this is James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Let's pray. Part of this morning, we ask that you would teach us what it means to be a people who learn how to talk with you and communicate with you and that our lives would be surrounded by prayer, that we would step into places where we glorify and honor you and speak to you about our highs and our lows, and no matter where we are, that our relationship with you would develop because we are a people of prayer. Amen. Have a seat. Right, so we are in the what I like to call the penultimate episode or message of the book of James. Penultimate means the one before the last one. So that's where we are in the book of James. You have a Bible, open up to James chapter 5. If you have an element Bible, that's on page 656. And today we're going to get to some verses that have been misused, overused, and even underapplied all at the same time since the day they were written. And they are all about prayer. I'm going to do two things with you, actually three things with you today. I'm going to talk to you in the general sense about what prayer is. Then we're going to talk about the verses that we go through, what James is talking about. And then at the end, I'm going to give you some prayer points. I know it sounds like a lot, but you can handle it. You're adults. You're okay. Now, prayer is that thing that... You know what you want everybody to kind of do for you when you're going through something, but you never want to stand up and do it in front of anybody else? Yeah, that, that's prayer. Uh, one of the greatest preachers in the ancient church was a guy named John of Antioch in the 4th century. He had this nickname called John Chrysostom. I don't know if you've heard about him, but it's called that nickname means golden mouth or golden tongued, much better than Doubting Thomas. It's a great nickname. And this was his description of the power of prayer. He says, The potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions, hushed anarchy to rest extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the fates of heaven, assuaged diseases, dispelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction, stayed the sun in its course, and arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. There is in it, that's in prayer, an all-sufficient panoply, a treasure undiminished, a mind which is never exhausted, a sky unobscured by clouds, a heaven unruffled by the storm. It is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings." This is why they called him the golden tongue, because that's how he speaks. Now, I found the book I found that quote in said this, None of those phrases are exaggerations or hyperboles. This is truth piled upon truth. So what does James say about prayer? James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18 says this, Is anyone among you suffering? And that would actually be all of them. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. 
and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. I'm going to talk about all that. But what you see is everything in these verses begins and ends with prayer. Are you happy? Pray. Are you sad? Pray. Are you suffering? Pray. Sing songs of praise. James is writing to a people who have been beaten down by the culture around them, but in so doing, they then start to beat down other people within their own church, so it all rolls downhill. And he's taking the whole thing of human experience and bringing it together and and says, let's go back to our relationship with God with all of it. He's coming to grips for us with the idea that as humans, we have a tendency when things are hard to lash out and get angry. When things are good, we have a tendency to forget God. So he says, no No matter what you go through, pray, pray, spend time with God. This is in your highs or your lows. As one writer says, in your pits or in your pinnacles, you take it to God. Prayer is always appropriate in all that we go through. So what is prayer? I'm going to give you a general sense of that. Prayer, because you know, if we're going to talk about it, we've got to kind of define it. Prayer is communication with God in its most simplest form. That's a generality. In the fall, we're going to do a series on prayer. We're going to go much deeper into this. We're going to spend 13 weeks on prayer. The first half is going to be what it is. The second part is different prayers in the Bible, but we're going to spend 13 weeks. So today is just kind of general. What is prayer? Communication with God. It can include meditation. It can include reflection, but it is communication with the one who made us and created us. Prayer can be silent or audible. It can be public or private. It can be formal or informal. In James chapter 1, he says we get to pray and we know God hears us. In John 16, it says we pray in Jesus' name. In Romans 8, it tells us that we pray by the power of God's Spirit. Now, when I do premarital counseling in my office, I usually say to the couples, I say, okay, uh, give me one word other than the word love that makes a marriage last. And they say all of these things. The word I'm looking for is commitment. That is the most important thing because no matter what you go through, commitment is important. When you don't feel like you love someone, you are committed to them in love. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's not all the fills. That's because God is committed to us in love. Love it. Okay, but the second most important thing is communication. See, I just, anyway, it's communication. And you got to think about how important that is. Now, just go with me. I'm going to make this really rudimentary. I have been told by certain people that sometimes I don't communicate well in a one-on-one basis. And I know this. If I have been talking to you and something else hits my brain in the middle of a conversation, I'll be like, <gasps> and I will just walk off. And I will tell you, it is a deficiency in my own brain. It is not you. It is my fault. I take full responsibility. Some people said, why is Aaron such a jerk? He's not a jerk. He's just brain dead. Something's not firing in there, okay? And I just walk off another direction. I have a hard time sometimes leading discussion groups because I ask a question, and instead of listening to the answers, I just want to tell people what to think (laughs) because I want everybody to kind of agree with me. And if we didn't have the staff we do, the elders we do, the board we do, not a lot of people would stay because there wouldn't be a lot of communication. It'd be like, and then I kind of walk off the other way. But you got to think about how central communication is. If you are dating someone or you're married to someone, husbands and wives, I swear, if you stop talking, you start dying. If a man never tells his wife that she is beautiful and precious and praises her for the things that she does, she will start to think that her husband doesn't care. Ladies, if you don't tell guys all the great things that they do, even if it's not really the greatest, you need to praise him. Guys love to be told how amazing they are. You're the best driver in the world. Don't lie. You know, you know how to drive at the roundabout like nobody else. 
because everybody else knows but you. So, <laughs> he is, but, but oh, you take the trash out better than anybody, in, but you praise them. Because what happens is if guys don't get that at home, they start to look for it in other ways. And that's not, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying we need to be able to do that to one another. Communication is key. If you have friends, you need to be able to spend time with your friends and talk to them. Communication is key. If you are a boss or have customers, if you don't talk to your employees or tell them your expectations, they're always going to fail your expectations because they don't know what they are. Or if you own a business and you make the best burgers in the world, how will anybody know if you don't tell them? So why would we think any less of our relationship with God? Why do we think our relationship with God is going to develop if we do not spend any time with him whatsoever? See, God speaks to us through the scriptures, through his spirit, and it's not a one-way street. And there are lots of ways that we can actually pray. The scriptures list a myriad of these. I didn't put these in your notes because I wanted to put the practical things in there this week, but I'll just run through a few. You can pray with your arms outstretched on your knees. That's in Ezra 9. 1 Samuel 1, you can pray silently. Matthew 26, falling on your face. In Exodus 15, it talks about dancing and singing. In Exodus 12, it's standing and bowing your head. In Job chapter 1, it's falling to the ground. In 2 Chronicles 20, it is standing and shouting. In Psalm 47, it's clapping your hands. In Psalm 96, it's bowing down and kneeling. In Psalm 149, it's dancing with tambourines and harps. And on behalf of every pastor in the world, please not in a Sunday morning service. It's awkward. Just, I don't know what to do with it. 1 Timothy chapter 2, you lift up your hands, and the list goes on and on. You can do it while you're surfing, while you're walking, while you're driving through the roundabout, even while Aaron's giving a message. You can pray in those places. We must understand prayer is foundational to who we are. And when you look through the Bible, you'll see a ton of verses about prayer and communication with God. I'm going to give you one to memorize this morning. We're going to throw it on the screen. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 7. And it says, pray without ceasing. Here's your memory verse. Ready? Say it out loud. Pray without ceasing. All right. Now for the hard part. I'm going to take it off the screen. Ready? One, two, three. Pray without ceasing. Look at that. You memorized something in the Bible. Good for you. Tell yourself that. See, pray without ceasing. Prayer is always connected to a deep truth about God, and that is He wants a relationship with us. He really does. Guys, I don't know why. Sometimes there's crazy things I do, and He still wants a relationship with me. He loves us because He has deemed to love us, and He is present everywhere. And that means He's right here, right now, and you can actually speak to Him and communicate with Him at all times. You can pray without ceasing. One of God's great desires for us is that we would live with Him. That we would live with Him. And that's communicated over and over and over in the Bible. And so James says, when you're suffering, when you're cheerful, when you're sick, wherever you are, what do you do? We talk to God about it all. We pray without ceasing. Now, I know that there's been a lot of ways in the world today where you hear people pray that just sounds kind of odd and weird, and we don't know what to do. Like some people, when they say pray, it's like, and they just start saying a lot of words. This is how Jesus talks about it. Matthew 6, 5 says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. In Matthew 6, 7, he says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. When some people pray because they don't know what to say or do, they just start saying a lot of words. Oh, Lord Jesus, God, we love you, Lord, just, uh, Lord, uh, honor you, Lord, oh, God, we just, uh, and it's just a lot of words. There's no listening to God. It's just throwing up a bunch of stuff. And so Jesus says, you don't need to do that. Empty phrases is this word called batalageo. It comes from batos, which 
which means stammer, and logos, which means word. You don't need to stammer your words. And then many words is this word called polylogia, and it rhymes with diarrhea. And a lot of scholars actually think that's direction Jesus is going. You don't need to pollute the air with all of your words. What we need to do is understand who God is. And we don't have to just keep saying things because we're not heard for our many words. We're heard because, Matthew 6, 9, pray like this, our Father in heaven. We are heard because God is a dad who loves his kids and he wants us to talk with him. That is the beautiful idea that we could speak to God like we speak to our dad. Maybe you had a bad dad. Well, this would be a good dad. We get to talk to him that way. We lift up all we are going through. We pray, we communicate, and God hears. And we're going to talk more about that. I'll probably even say some of those things again when we get to the prayer series, but that's the general about prayer. Now, let's talk specifically about what James says in the book of James. James 5.14, he starts like this, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, these words are unique in all of the scriptures, and it's a type of how we pray for one another. It's written to sick people, and it's written to elders in a church. Now, here's the first thing that's important. The sick person is given explicit instructions to call the elders of the church. It's interesting here because James clearly places the responsibility on initiating this on the sick person. Sometimes people go, I was sick. He didn't call me. He didn't come over. And sometimes I don't know. But I'm not going to say it's not my fault. Read your Bible. What I'm going to say is if you're sick and you need the elders to pray for you, you need to let us know. Now, this doesn't exclude pastors or elders from suggesting a sick person get prayed over. But the request actually here comes from the sick person because God is leading that person in that direction. Second thing in this, and this is important because none of your elders would ever have a life if because of other people's time management, but he's not saying every sickness you have to call the eldership for. Uh, oh, I got a cold. Call, call the elders. Oh, I woke up feverish. Call the elders. I hung out with my friends late to, late last night and uh, I drank some things I shouldn't. Oh, call the elders. That's not what he's saying. It, he has this progression. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as a is working. This all goes together. So before someone calls the elders, there is this personal reflection. There's a confession of sin in our lives that goes to the promise at the end of verse 15. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Christ has forgiven us. I know when I'm sick and I'm feeling really bad, that is a great time for self-reflection. Not self-centeredness, but self-reflection. I don't got a lot going on. My ears are stuffed up. I can't hear anything anyway. It's a good time to kind of walk through my life. This all kind of goes together. James is not saying here, all sickness is the result of sin, but sometimes it is. Uh, you look this to the New Testament. Jesus even says this, that many times there's association between our sickness, our illness, and death, and someone's sin. A couple weeks ago, uh, Mark, the guy that's doing music this morning, he told me that I remind him of a comedian named Mitch Hedberg. And I said, I go, I don't know who that is. And he goes, really? Because sometimes you tell jokes and it's just like him. And I go, oh, so he sent me a link. I do not sound like him. I do not look like him. I don't think it has any, 
Anyway, Mitch Hedberg died years ago because of overdose. He just got farther and farther into drugs and he died. That is sin that led to illness, that led to death, and that is what James is talking about. And so he says, in the midst of those places where we're sick, we have self-reflection, where we examine our lives for any sin and humbly confess it to God. Because it's also like Job, who had trials and suffering and illness, and it came upon him, but also in the end, it opened him up to God's grace like nothing else ever did. Uh, Matt, you saw his video. What I would love for today for you to come to baptisms and read Matt's story, because Matt's story, when he got COVID, again, through no, no fault of his own, he catches COVID, he is on a ventilator, they think he's going to die, nobody thought he was going to survive, and that whole experience led him to a place where he surrenders his life completely to Christ. It is amazing. You should read his story. Now, the second thing that the sick person is supposed to do is listen for the leading of God's Spirit. This is why we confess, we listen to God, we listen for the leading of His Spirit. The, the person that's calling for the elders is written in what is called the subjective sense in the Greek. And it means this is what God's Spirit is directing the person to do. Now, this may sound odd to you, but God's will is not for the elders to pray for every single sick person. Uh, God's will is not even for all of us to always get better because God brings himself glory no matter what we go through. And sometimes that prayer should just be your friends or your gospel community or just your community. One person I was reading said this, our calling for the elders must not be a whim. Sure, I'll try anything, but with a definite sense that it is God's will. Now, I'm not saying that you need to wake up one day and God's burning a bush in front of your house going, call the elders, you're sick. You know, that's not what I'm saying, but there is a conviction that it is right. God is saying, hey, yeah, it's time. Let's call them. Let's, let's get them over. Overall, James is saying we should not be afraid to ask for prayer from one another. Now, at Element, our deacons, our elders, we have done this for people on numerous occasions. Uh, the instructions for elders are explicit as well. They are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in in the name of the Lord. I know it sounds odd. Uh, I have a friend whose mom was very charismatic growing up, and every time the kids were sick, she pulled out a bottle of olive oil and started dumping it on her kids' heads, going, it's the oil, it's going to make you better. It, this is not voodoo, okay? It's, it's not voodoo, it's not a magic charm. In this day and age, oil was used for medicinal purposes. When James talks about this, this is not for medicinal purposes, but it's not voodoo. The anointing here becomes symbolical. Anointing in the Bible is usually associated with consecrating or setting some Someone apart for special service for God to do a work in their life. And the oil here is symbolizing that this person we are praying for and setting apart for God's Holy Spirit to do a work in them that we are praying for healing in this place. It is very cultural, and a lot of times people today don't anoint one another with oil because for them it would have made perfect sense. For us, it's not the same, but you can still do it or not do it. It is up to you. What I will tell you is people, whether they are charismatic or not, take great comfort when people gather around them and pray for them. It is great encouragement. Now, the result of this is what confuses a lot of people. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. It'd be so much easier if the verse said, oh, the prayer offered in faith may make the sick person well, or the Lord may raise him up, but that's not what it says. And it seems to present healing as a guaranteed result of the prayer offered in faith. Now, if you've been around churches any length of time, you know that there are people who have been prayed for who have not been healed or gotten better. Uh, the Apostle Paul said that he had prayed for people, even himself at points, and some people weren't healed, and he himself wasn't healed. Is Paul less godly than your elders? 
Not at all. We're way worse. That's probably part of our problem. But in all things, God's sovereignty is what should be on display. And so when James says in the text, the prayer of faith, it's meant what is in line with what God wants to do. This is how the Greek text is written. So first off, a prayer of faith comes from faith in our almighty God, that God can do whatever he wants to do. I believe God still heals today. I believe, though, it is in his will, and sometimes he decides not to. He does as he wills in every circumstance. Nothing is beyond him. Everything is for his glory. But secondly, the prayer of faith, based on the text, carries the spirit-wrought conviction that it is the will of God. A prayer of faith is not something we manufacture, like we have enough faith, so God has to do this. Well, I believe, I believe, I don't believe, I really have faith, oh, God's got to do this. This prayer of faith is itself a gift from God. John Blanchard writes this, The prayer offered in faith is circular in shape. It begins and ends in heaven in the sovereign will of God. It has the idea in the text that when the elders have a spirit-wrought conviction that the Lord will heal the one being prayed for, they will then pray that prayer of faith and the sick will be healed. It starts with heaven and God coming to us and then the prayer going back up. Even greater though, we tend to overlook these words. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. This goes back to what Christ has done for us. This is the connotation and understanding that really the forgiveness of our sins is what we all need. In this case, it's going to be displayed in the person who then gets healed. You go back to a story where Jesus heals a paralyzed guy in the Bible. The paralyzed guy comes to Jesus and Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. And they go, oh, you can't do that. How dare you? And so Jesus says, so you know that the son of God has power enough to forgive sins. Take up your mat and walk. And so showing by his healing that Jesus had the power to also to forgive him. And the guy went home. And this is kind of what it's saying here. James is issuing a challenge to the modern church to practice a biblical ministry of praying for one another that it's not our will, but it's God's will. And we will walk in what he calls us to do. And even when we're scared, when God calls us to pray that prayer of faith, we actually do it. And I know it's scary to think about that at times. I think I am so ungodly at times that why would God ever hear my prayer? I always fall short. But I'll tell you in the end, it's not about my prayer. And it's not about your prayer. It's about the God who hears our prayers. That's what it's about. I haven't prayed for a lot of people who have been healed. I think every once in a while I've seen something kind of crazy happen in that. But I have prayed for people and they've died. Uh, that's not a joke, actually. Uh, Terry Snyder, if you know Joyce Snyder, her husband, was on his deathbed. I went and prayed for him a few times in his house while he was dying. He was in the hospital, and she calls me, and so I went to the hospital, and she goes, he just needs to let go. He just needs to let go. And so I went in, and I said, Terry, you can let go. And I pray for him, and I pray that Jesus would take him, and Terry died. And sometimes Joy will say, you killed my husband. Again, that morbid element humor. It's a, th- there, there it is. But he did need to let go. And I will tell you, in that instance and in many instances, that letting go, that's a form of healing as well. Because we go to be present with the Lord. And James takes this all about these prayers of faith and he brings it together with this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Why did Elijah pray pray this way? Because God told him to. It's not because Elijah was mad or Elijah mustered up enough faith on his own. It's because God told him to pray this way. Just like God will tell us in those moments when we need to pray a certain direction. 
This is the prayer of faith. Now, this might all be beyond. You're like, I don't even know what we're talking about today. So this is why in your notes, I want to bring it down to a practical level about prayer. Uh, D.A. Carson said seven things on prayer that I put in your notes. And I kind of want to walk through this with you about maybe how we can begin to pray. The first one is this. Prayer needs to be planned. You're like, oh, well, that doesn't sound, it needs to be planned. What I mean, and what he means by that, is we plan sometimes to talk to God in all of us. That's not just the elders, that's every single one of us. We don't just assume it happens. Now, this is what it's like. My, my wife works this shift that is from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., lunch in the middle, so 11.30, she'll get home about midnight. And the days that she goes to work, I come into work about 5.30, 6 a.m., I work for a couple hours, and I go home at 8 o'clock. She gets out of bed, we eat breakfast, we either talk or watch a TV show together, and then about 9.30, she gets ready to go to work, and then I go back to work. But I plan that so I can spend time with her because it's important to me. When we get really busy, time with God seems to disappear, and that cannot happen. So what do we do? We plan our meals. We plan workouts. If you work out, uh, you plan doctor's appointments. Why not plan some time to actually spend with God? Just put it on your calendar. I'm not saying throughout the day you can't pray in various places like thanks God for the green light or whatever it is, but we make specific times that we spend with God daily. Secondly, adopt practical ways to stop your mental drift. If you're like me, you start to pray, you're like squirrel, and you're running off another direction. So plan some ways to stop that there are things that draw your mind away from that. Well, get rid of those things. If, you, if you're praying, you got Facebook or Instagram or whatever on you, like, oh, dear Lord, what? What? I mean, God, I, what? Put your phone away, okay? Put it in the other room. Don't deal with it. Uh, if, if the news riles you up, shut it off. Where's Rudy? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But you just get rid of mental drift. If the TV distracts you, you, you shut it off. So you adopt practical ways to set those things aside. Third, seek out people to pray with. Look for people, because when you start to pray with and for other people, you will start to pray more. Fourth, get around people who do pray, because maybe you feel like, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. My dad was terrible. I don't know how to talk to God like a dad. What is all this? Well, get around people, and you'll learn to pray more. Uh, how many of you in this room, just raise your hand, if, if you are cool, like praying out loud sometimes for people? Just raise your hand. Let me see you. Okay, those of you who are not, keep your hand up. See their hands? Accost them later. Go and talk to them. <laughs> Find them out on the patio. Better yet, come to baptisms today and talk to them and say, would you help me to learn? How, would you pray for me? Would you teach me how to pray? And they'll be like, I just, it's like I'm talking to God. He's good and he's great. So find, put your hands back up again. Who do we, them, find them. Talk to them. Practical ways. I, I love, I love when Mike Harmon's around, one of our elders, because whenever we do something, I go, hey, Mike, can you pray? Because Mike just prays naturally and so genuine, and it makes me want to pray more. Better in my communication with God. All right, uh, number five, make a system for having a prayer list. And I know when I say system, some of you are like type A, you're like, what system? What is this? And you're very, it's like you're a holiday Sunday right now. What? <laughs> And some of you hear the word system and you shut off altogether. What I mean by that is find a way to have some notes. So you have these note cards, right? You're like, I just don't know what to pray about. Well, you're going to write down a prayer request on that note card, 
right now or close to now. You're going to put it in a basket. When you leave, you're going to grab somebody else's prayer. And this week, you're going to pull that out and you're going to pray that. You're going to pray for that person. Whatever that request is, it gives you something to pray about. So I know I told you to put your phones away a minute ago, but maybe you have a note app in your phone. Write down in your phone some prayer requests for other people. Just write those down or what you need, want prayer for this week and just pray through those things or write it on that 3x5 note card so you have it. So there's something in front of you to be able to pray with and through. Write it down so you have something. You can go like this. Remind me tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. to pray for Element to learn to pray. Done. Done. <laughs> Boom. Tomorrow. Technology is amazing. And you're like, I don't get up at 7. Set it later. Okay, just... But, <laughs> You wake up, boom, oh, I'm going to pray for Elmer. They learned to pray this week. How awesome is that? All right, where am I at? Number six? No, five. Number five. No, six. Number six. Sorry. I get excited now. Number six. When you pray, have praise for who God is, confession for who you are, like your life, and intercession for other people. And then you tie it all back to the scriptures as much as possible. Tim Keller writes his book on prayer, and he says this, We would never produce the full range of biblical prayer if we were initiating prayer according to our own inner needs and psychology. It can only be produced if we are responding in prayer according to who God is as revealed in scripture. Some prayers in the Bible are like that of an intimate conversation with a friend. Others like an appeal to a great monarch, and others approximate a wrestling match. We must not decide how to pray based on what types of prayers are the most effective for producing the experience and feelings we want. We pray in response to God himself which means we want to read how God has clearly spoken to us. So we read the scriptures and you come across something that brings hope to you, start praying about that. Share that with other people. Something that shows you the glory of God, pray about that. Thank God for that. The scriptures should lead our hearts to this place of adoration and praise of who God is. So you read the Bible, let it lead you. We want to tie all of our prayers back as much as we can to the word of God. And number seven, and this actually came from the Puritans. It was pray until you pray. Pray until you pray. You may not feel like you do it well. You may go, oh, we're really uncomfortable. You pray until you pray. There are a lot of uncomfortable things in our lives that you do it until you do it. Singing. Sometimes you go into church, it's like, I'm not going to sing. Sing until you sing. Because singing is also related to prayer. Singing leads you to a place of praise of who God is. I think guys have a harder time with this than, than women do. And I think maybe it's a pride issue. But God is always inviting us into something deeper. Singing can lead us to pray. If you think singing isn't masculine, you need to read the Bible and look at like King David. He played a harp, the least manly instrument in the world, right? And he is out killing bears and lions and cutting the head off Goliath. And he is singing songs and praying to God. And so we pray until we pray, sing until you sing and begin to pray. And it may be stintingly and awkward at first, but we pray until we pray. Psalm 32 verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. We do not want to stay silent. We want to commune with our God who has made us and loves us. When Jesus teaches us a model for prayer in Matthew 6, which we will go through during the prayer series, he kind of breaks it into three categories for us. He talks about the spiritual. That's a realm that is bigger and more expansive than we can imagine. There's the holiness of things. It's like, hallowed be your name. And then there is the physical, that God, yes, he has created the entire cosmos that we know, and yet he is also in our next meal, our daily bread. And then there is the relational, and we forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. 
See, God's greatest promise in the scripture spoken over 365 times, which is like for every day of the year. I think it was actually 366, which is one for leap year too, which is I will be with you. It says, I will be with you. And the gospel is what makes that possible, that Christ came to restore us to a relationship with God. That's what makes it possible. Every tomorrow, every ordinary day is not just an ordinary day. It's a day that we get to get up and spend time with our God who made us. Prayer is not just for mystics or hermits or monks. It's not heroic. It is living our lives every day, whatever the mundaneness of it is, with God himself. We get to pray without ceasing. Say it with me. Pray without ceasing. We get to do it. We get to walk with our God who is with us. And we can be a people who learn to do all of life with Him, communicating with Him every step of the way. And as I said, this only becomes possible because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I want you to do, if you haven't done it so yet, I want you to write down a prayer request on those cards. Okay, if you haven't done it yet, write a prayer request on the cards. The band's going to come running in the room when they see me standing on the side of the podium. They're like, oh my goodness. Okay, so they're going to come in. They're going to grab some baskets, and you're just going to put those in the baskets. We're going to set those around the room. And if you take communion, even if not, grab one anyway out on the way out the door. If you don't take communion, and pray for that this week. So just write something down. I wish Aaron talked slower. I don't know, whatever it is. Right? <laughs> Way too excitable this morning. I wish it was warmer at baptisms. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Uh, but so the, if you've done that already, so the band's going to get ready, and they're going to walk through. We're going to have... One person next to each side. Okay, so that's Sean's aisle. We're like Keystone Cops. Like, at Element, we don't pass a plate for offerings, so we have no idea what we're doing when we walk around with a basket, right? Like, what does this basket do? I don't know. So they're just going to walk through. Just throw your prayer requests in, in those baskets as they come. Mark's on that side. Clarence is over there. One, two, three. Where's the fourth one? Oh, Andrew's in the back. There's Andrew. All right, got it. Okay. So write those down. Throw them in there. I don't mean to make it weird. You're like... Again, Element, we do not know what to do passing baskets around. <laughs> Is there food in there? <laughs> All right, so Sarah's going to put them around the room. Yeah, you can put yours there. Is that good, Sarah? Oh, he covered the map, Sarah. He covered, what are you going to do? Oh, we're going to move these Bibles. Who are these Bibles? This was a flawless plan. This is why I love when people watch the live stream and they're like, those people, what are they even doing? All right, everybody get one, put it in the basket. Amy, not still holding on to one? You got it? Okay, great, great. Guys, I got to tell you, th this is a great beauty that we get to have of being able to pray for one another and taking people's requests before God. And again, what makes this possible is the gospel, that Christ came to give his life for us because our lives have been separated from a relationship with God. We are the ones who run from him, and God deems in Christ to come and save us from ourselves. Jesus dies for our sins, to, se to everything that separates us from God and one another. He rises from the grave to bring us new life, and this is why we come to communion. It's a reminder of what God has done. And so I'm going to encourage you this morning to come to communion and you break that cracker like Christ's body was broken for us. You dip it in the wine or the grape juice as a reminder of his blood that was shed for you and me so that we can actually come before God and have a relationship with him. We come to a place where we want to pray for one another. 
because our God has restored us to himself. And again, there's a gluten-free option in the back. And if you are, oh, and if you want single-use cups, I think the single-use cups are only on that back table today because we took up so much room with the prayer request thing. So if you need a single-use cup, they're on that table in the back. But take communion as a reminder of what God has done to save us. If you need prayer, for something going on in your life, like a 3-5 card is just not enough this morning and you want and need someone to pray with you, grab Sarah at the Welcome Center. We will connect you with someone to be able to pray with you this morning. Uh, again, we are a people who give because God has given so much to us. We do not pass a plate, obviously. <laughs> and, that is, and that's why we have offering boxes along all the side doors because it's always meant to be a response to what God has done in our lives. That's how we give at Element. It's not something in front of you here, you got to do this. It is a response to how God works in our lives, and we're responsive because of his own goodness first given to us. And grab some of those sermon notes, uh, go through those questions, and go through those practical things this week. Set some time apart and spend time with God this week. Put it on your calendar. You know, whenever and wherever it is, it'd be like, hey, can you, no, no, I got, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes, whatever, I'm going to do this here. You put it on your calendar so you have a space and a time to do it. And it may be awkward or even stintingly at first, but the more we do it, the more we will begin to pray. Pray until we pray. And then we're going to have a whole series again in the fall where we're going to give you guys booklets. And we're going to give you kind of prayer points and ways to start doing that in the fall. And hopefully all of Element will start to be more of a praying church. Because our God has restored relationship with us. And that means we get to have a great and a deep relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I ask that you would take and teach us the great joy that it is to be a people who get to be in relationship with you, who get to walk our lives every day with you, that we can be a people who pray without ceasing, that we can walk in relationship with you no matter what we go through, through our highs and our lows, through our pits and our pinnacles. And God, if there are people in this room who are, who are sick and going through something difficult and you want them to call for the leadership of Element to pray for them, I ask that you would give them that conviction. I ask that in all things, we would be a biblical people, a gospel-centered people who trust you and the things that you have said, that you would lead us to the place where all of our lives are centered upon who you are, that there would be great glory that is given to you, there would be great joy that we experience because you are glorified. And there would be a deeper walking with you every day of our lives because you have first drawn us to yourself. Teach us to walk with you, honoring you, and all that we do and all that we are. We ask this in your son's good name. Amen. I'll drop these curtains. And I'll give you a couple of moments to maybe put out some distractions. And maybe right now you can even pray a little bit until you pray. Say, God, teach me right now. Now, what in my life is distracting me from you? What in my life is holding me back from really just talking to you and communicating with you right now? And then as God starts to walk through that with you, come and take communion. Grab a prayer request. Don't leave without one. And then sing some songs and come to baptisms. Wear a jacket if it's going to be cold, whatever. But let's celebrate today the great difference that God is making in people's lives. Let us learn to be a people who begin to walk through our lives, communicating with God in all things.